You're listening to the TEFL Commute podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the TEFL Commute. This is episode one, the very first pilot episode of a new podcast. Podcast for language teachers that is not about language teaching, although the topic will surely come up. Welcome to the TEFL Commute, season two, episode one. Yes, we're back. TEFL Commute, season three, episode four, voice. The TEFL Commute, season 13, episode two. Women. The Tefl Commute, Season 14, Episode 7. Numbers, in which we celebrate numbers of all types, including the number 100. Welcome to Episode 100 of the Tefl Commute. everyone hi there hi hi it's weird it's always like weird when those all the boxes on the zoom are full so i've got four we've got four of us here today yes four of us this is a, one of our famous um tefl commute round table episodes uh which we're doing to celebrate um our hundredth episode i always hear this on other podcasts when they say hey we've reached episode 100 or well usually it's like episode 400 or episode 1000 and i'm like wow how did they do that but we've now done it we've now hit episode 100 of the tefl commute a podcast for language teachers that's not about language teaching but the topic always comes up and let's introduce who's at the table because we have all our hosts at the table here i'm Lindsay. i'm kerry i'm sandy i'm sean Right, and we've been hosting this now uh, between us for the past three, four, four years. Oh no, save it. Okay. Oh, well, we'll save it. We'll save it. <laughs> There's going to be maybe that. a quiz there. But to celebrate this hundredth episode, we decided to make our topic numbers. And usually, when we do a round table episode, which we try to do one per season, we all bring in different things as associated with that round table topic. So this round table topic was numbers. And what we're going to do is we're each going to share first a number that's related to English language teaching in some way that has attracted our attention. So we're going to begin with that. Then we're going to talk about something uh, that we think about, that we like, don't like, that has also attracted our attention about teaching numbers. So as opposed to a number in ELT, something about teaching numbers. And then we're going to finish with kind of a grab bag of other numbers that we like or number related things that we think are just fun. Let's begin by talking about numbers um, that are significant or interesting or related in some way to English language teaching. I'm going to ask Kerry to go first. Okay, so the number that kind of um, I noticed, particularly fairly recently, was the number 1,700. And um, I'm going to apologize for being a bit Brit-centric here, um, but it's uh, something that the Department of Education has come up with in the UK for testing or assessing modern foreign languages, so that would be the learning of French or German or Spanish, that um, students now at GCSE level, so that's the secondary education leaving certificate, will need to memorise lists of 1,700 words. And these are supposed to be the 1,700 most frequent words in the language. Wow. And do they have, have they published these lists or is it up to like schools? Okay, or so it... in the article that I was reading, the, they have, there was no link to a published list or anything, but there were, um, they, they alluded to criticisms of the corpus that the list is based on being adult and written. Um, so it, it, obviously the list already exists and has been taken from a particular corpus. And obviously the, you, you know, all of the criticisms of um, frequency as a selection tool anyway for vocabulary. But the idea of memorizing, memorizing 1,700 words. Oh my God. I can just see the books rolling off the shelves already, oh. you know, like 1,700 French words, and you just like learn it. 
I'm, su- I'm surprised you haven't written two or three already. <laughs> I know, uh, I'm wondering. I'm wondering a sideways move into yeah, yeah. German or. <laughs> it, it, it's, interesting. it's interesting, though. Uh, a couple of things I think about that. One, that fits in very well with the with the way the government, the, the current government sees education, because they've always they've always been about grammar and uh, and testing and and this idea. The, the, this kind of by rote education and, and all our education ministers have, well. have been like that for a number of years. So it fits in very much with that um, element. Two, um, are we to mock it given the amount of word lists that we, um, that the <laughs> course book writers um, have to follow in their course books? Um, it's kind of... I think we can mock it. I think I'm there too. I think we've having we, yeah. been behind uh, my fair share of wordless as well. I think it could, can be mocked. I mean, the problem is, is that the 1700 just seized upon as like a gospel kind of thing. Like once you have it, then you're good, you know? And, yeah, but, yeah I, and we also all that stuff. Well, we all know what the first 100 are. They're not, there are no like, content words in there in, uh, at all. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you go into... Um, French road, you go into German and the articles have taken up uh, half of the first 100 words yeah. already, yeah. you know, so it's, it, it's just 1700 seems like quite an arbitrary cutoff point as well. Why yeah. 1700? Why, why not 1500? Uh, 1700 or... is probably the extent of our education minister's knowledge of foreign language. So. Who knows? Or, <laughs> or numbers, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, also, if they're just going, are they really, really sticking to just frequency? Because I remember seeing a talk about the shortcoming of frequency where they would say, for example, in English, Monday and Friday are mm-hmm. more frequent than Wednesday yeah. and Sunday. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Do you just teach Monday and Friday when you teach the days of the week and say, oh, we'll do the other days well, later appar- on. You don't need them that much. <laughs> apparently teachers association and language teaching associations and all kinds of people are up in arms and they're fighting it and they're asking for changes and I don't know. And the first test will roll out in 2026. So there's another yeah. number. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Very good. This is this is one of those this is one of those things it's like, you know, the development of the atomic bomb when they were like making corpuses and they're like with this tool we will be able to discover what the most frequent words are in a language. And so like, no, be careful. It's too late. You've invented it. It's out there now. <laughs> Cuz this is what happens. Um, all right, so 1700 is our first number. Sean, do you want to tell us your number? Yeah, I'm, I'm cheating. Sorry. Okay. So my number is 12 or 3 or 16 or 24. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So my number, my number is 12. It's, it's commonly 12, but it's often 16, often seen as 16, sometimes seen as 3, and sometimes as 24. There's a riddle for you, isn't it? <laughs> No I'm gonna idea. guess. I'm gonna guess it's a year. Like no, 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 months, no. Remember to do two semesters, three oh, trimesters. No, 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 no. No. It is okay. the question which is often asked on teacher training courses: How many tenses are there in English? And mm. um, if you Google oh. that question, you get the answer. You primarily get the answer twelve. Sometimes you uh, or sixteen. You get some that say twenty-four, and you get some that say three. Obviously, past, present, and future confusing tense and aspect. Or even just two. Two. Uh, two. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 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 I'm going to go. No, I'm not Michael Lewis here. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, two tenses. I, I thought it was kind of an interesting. I thought it was an interesting set of numbers that we have. Okay. That is a question that I think many of us have asked on a teacher training course. Um, uh, and I, as I said, I put it into Google and ahead of this, and, and uh, given so many different answers and so many lists of of, of tenses, and whether whether. So my question is, how many do you think there are? Two. I, I, I agree. I think it could it could tie in quite nicely. I can see it happening with that vocabulary list. Then you have the yeah. verb tables, and the, yeah. oh yeah. my god, yeah. yes. Yeah. 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 Well, well that's I, a good I, number, though. I think that's a good list of numbers. That's a good one, really, for English language teacher. I had not thought of that at all. Thank you. I, I, you mean I got away with cheating? Wow. You yeah. did get away with cheating <laughs> this first time. We'll see. Must, must be the 100th episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, what about you? What number are you bringing to the table? So uh, my number is 44, uh, which oh. is uh, the number of British English, sorry, British English phonemes typically taught in standard English but again oh, maybe wow. it's a slight cheat because okay. you know 44 phonemes although one of them I probably would never use in my standard uh, you know okay. when I'm speaking I would probably never say 
jewelry. Jewelry, <laughs> yes. I would say tourist jewelry. So, so there's 44. Is that the one in the like the phonemic chart? Has yeah, if, 44? You, if you use Adrian Underhill's phonemic chart, there are 44. Uh, but that's standard British English. Okay. So, I mean... Do you think you use 44 for No. Oh, My curious thing is, is I wonder if there fewer? are more and if like like other ones have less. Because I know North American English obviously lots of those ones with the schwa at the end, like the ia, but, ua, um, and everything. Think, we just put an R, right? I think the North American English similar version of the Adrian Underhill chart has fewer phonemes. In yeah. It. it doesn't have as many diphthongs. And I wonder I like think. if mm-hmm. other other varieties of English have fewer or more. Like my question would be, are there is there a number larger than 44 of phonemes used in English speaking? Yeah. In a regardless of the English. regardless of the regardless of the variety. Overall, yeah. across like overall. All varieties? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very possible because even if you just take British English and American English, there are phonemes that exist in American English that aren't used in British English and vice versa. So there would be mm. more than 44 just mm. taking those two varieties before you add any other varieties <sighs> in. Oh, no, I don't mean all of the varieties together. I mean mm-hmm. any one variety. Uh, Which one variety has the most phone- phonemic variation? That sounds like a doctorate in the making. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and not without its perils, right? Like what gets counted in the um, in the number of varieties, right? Who's, whose varieties would be counted in that doctorate? I'm not yeah. going to touch what, that what's one. What's a phoneme? And what's yes. an yeah. allophone? Yeah. And yes, all and what is standard of... English? And well, oh, God, okay. Gosh, the, the Wikipedia <laughs> page of phoning to North American English is quite long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the phoneme notes. They're all yeah. the as bad notes. as the number notes. Oh yeah. my god. The phone- <laughs> yes, well, this is a nerdy episode, isn't it? All numbers. I'll finish our first part with my number, which is if uh, Carrie was apologizing for being, or Sandy apologizing for being British English centric, I'm being Lindsay English centric because someone suggested, why don't you take the number six? And I was like, well, actually, why don't I? And I'll explain for those of you who don't know, if you were in English teaching online, when we all started doing social media at the beginning of social media blogs and everything like that, I did a blog in those early heady days of blogging, like 2004, five, six, something like that, called Six Things. Um, and it was a blog of lists. And I always was asked when I did interviews or workshops or things like that, oh, why did you choose six things? And I ended up Googling six to have like answers that I could have prepared. One was like, well, six is a perfect number. A perfect number is one that's equal to the numbers it can be divided by. So six can be divided by one, two, and three. And if you add those together, it makes the number six which is a perfect number. Also, I I would say, well, because I like playing games and dice have six sides, so that's why I called it six things. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a bit... uh, (laughs) Dice have six sides? Well, not all dice. The most common (laughs) dice or die, or whatever you call it, has a six-sided dice is the most common one. I've been playing with a 20-sided die of late. I know. Well, let's say a six-sided dice is the most common one. But the real reason, the real reason was... um, because the domain, I originally made a blog, I wanted a blog called Seven Things, because I heard seven was like a number easy to memorize, like phone number digits in North American phone numbers or seven digits and for all those other things. And that was taken, seventhings.com.org.net was taken. Then I wanted five things and that was all taken. So I, I landed on six things. So that 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 is unfortunately the... Um, the real so story behind that. It was an arbitrary perfect number. It was, an, it was arbitrarily, it just worked out perfectly, you might say. <laughs> I've always wondered so, the answer so, to that question. So round so. one, go, go and find a number that... Go and find the number about ELT, and Lindsay talks about himself. That's amazing. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Well, it is an ELT-related number. And in <laughs> fact, Sean, you did say to me, I thought you would choose six. Yeah, and absolutely. when you said that, I thought, oh, well, why yeah, don't I there is, a, there is a, a more, there is another, t- another section coming up where you might use that number. Um, <laughs> the, the, the internet's given me 40, between 44 and 46, Andy, to go back okay. to that. But I, I obviously can't look in detail which of those might be right. So let's review our numbers. We have 1,700. Uh, we have 12... 1624, 16, 24, <laughs> 8, 3, 2, um, where the real number was 2. And then the last one was, the second last one was 44, and then 6. Those were our ELT-related numbers. Let's take a short break and come back and talk about how we teach. 
Hey everyone, producer James here to say thanks for listening and just to let you know that if you want to say thanks to us for all the episodes that we've given you for free, we'd be really grateful. We love making this show. It will always be free to you. But there are some costs involved. So if you'd like to help out, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Commute and buy us a coffee. I'm more of a tea man myself, but I'll still appreciate it. Okay, back to the show. So welcome back. Um, in this part of the podcast, we're going to talk about numbers in the classroom, numbers in teaching. And I'm going to ask uh, Sean to give us his number to start off with. Yeah, my number is 15. Okay. Um, what <laughs> there you that? go, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that connection? <laughs> because, I was, um, because um, and I think, well, this will come up over the course of, as we talk about this around our table, is when to teach numbers. And I actually refer to um tefl net do you know the website um alex case alex case but, yes yeah. Yeah. back to the original bloggers yeah yeah All so right. alex case's website has this really interesting uh, re- uh page on it called the 15 stages of teaching numbers uh so and i, and I think it's a really useful page uh of uh, and it, it's essentially he's suggesting the order over over a number of levels of english that you would teach numbers in so obviously you start by counting which would be number one by the time you get to number 15 number 14 will be sports scores because obviously that zero is is different and then by number 15 you teach number idioms so my number to do with teaching is 15 because it reminds me there are 15 different things we can look at when teaching numbers and that's the result <laughs> once again sean is taught chosen one number that includes a whole bunch of other numbers yeah. <laughs> well let's see whether the other things that we mention are on i will list. we'll make sure the link <laughs> if, if people if people need to if people want to find it you can obviously we'll put the link to that on the on the in the show notes but if you just google the 15 stages of te- teaching numbers on tefl.net you'll find the page which which will give you okay some. all right there you go okay. me done so let's find out then from Lindsay. Um, is your thing this on the list? Uh, I don't think. No, this one is not about me, but it's very close to the, the the number six. And this one is the number five. And so number five is all related to um, a time, five minutes, which I think is a classic teaching time, which is never what we say it is. So, for example, a five-minute break – it's never five minutes. It's always like 10 minutes or whatever. It's like, okay, everybody, let's just have a five minute break here. And then people, especially if you let them leave, it's never going to be five minutes. They'll be back like seven, eight, nine minutes. Um, so that's a time when five minutes is usually longer than five minutes. A time when five minutes is for me almost always shorter than five minutes is if I say, okay, everybody, you have five minutes left. <laughs> and then I never look at my watch, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I never give them five minutes. I usually give them like two minutes because sitting for five minutes and looking at a watch is really long so like when i say everyone five minutes left then usually like around 30 seconds i'm like okay let's still let's finish I definitely read somewhere once that you should never tell somebody it's a five minute break because if yeah. you do yeah. it's whatever length they think it is whereas if you tell them it's oh, really? a four minute break or it's a seven minute break it will oh, be okay. because they'll pay more attention to how long it actually is <laughs> exactly I've tried five minutes is this sort of like it's just very nebulous and then there's a mm. final thing which is one of my favorite books which was five minute activities which i always thought yeah. was yeah. the most uh, and it, like it was those activities were never five minutes there were maybe a few that were but some of them were great because they could be like seven eight nine ten twenty minutes you know like some of the if i pick up that book and just flick open to any page it's not really a five minute activity it's like a short activity but i think that, that there's something about for teachers that word five minutes is is the one time expression with numbers which never really means what we in say the, it means although in the online classroom now you can now set a timer that yes that's true. clearly so you can see five five minutes yeah but it's true yes how many times do you still if you're planning a lesson how many times do you, put, oh, time, yeah, you still and the put other one is five yeah, minutes yeah. next year yeah or yeah or the other one is like uh, or the other one um yeah i was only around five minutes late you know so that, that like for students five minutes is like five minutes late is rarely five minutes so like or they could they five could come minutes in. late it's basically on time i mean exactly exactly or if you say we're going to run over by around five minutes that usually means you need another 15 like i hear that at talks at conferences is like sorry we're going to run over just i'm going to go over for another five minutes and it it never really is it's like they want longer than that anyway that's my number five okay what about you then kerry 
Okay, so I'm going to go for what I think is less than a five-minute activity, and um, <laughs> it's, it's a really, really short little kind of tongue warmer rather than anything else, and it just involves in pairs, uh, initially just counting one, two, three, but sharing it between the two pairs. So like Sandy and Lindsay, for example, okay. if you started, you'd go Sandy. One. Two. Lindsay, three. Four. Five. One. Ah, just one, two, three. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Okay. Okay, So start it again. Okay. Go on, Sandy. One. Two. Three. One. Two. Three. One. Okay. So now you have to count one, three, two. Okay. One. In the same way. Three. Two. One. Three. Two. Okay, wow. that's it. okay yeah. This is, is. Like, this is a leaning forward. I see like Zane and I like sort of leaning forward into the screen. <laughs> it takes a lot of concentration. <laughs> that's, that's all. Oh it's God. just like get everybody together, get everybody concentrating at the very beginning, and then you've got them. You've got you've caught their attention. So this is from a friend and a colleague, um, Steve O, and uh, he has a blog post called Teffel Dust, just to Ooh. give him a plug. But years ago, he did this at the beginning of a session in a local conference it was wonderful i've used it with teen older teenagers in a high school setting and it was amazing it just like this rabble totally just drawn and focused so that's my favorite number activity so, I know, as a gamer it reminds me of gaming uh, have you ever heard across the game called the mind where you have a hand of cards uh so you all have a deck of cards and but you're not allowed to speak uh, and you have to guess who's got the next number and try and like lay your cards down in number sequence order. Uh, just for some reason, that just pops into yeah. my mind when, well, when you're doing that. That leads on beautifully then to my activity, which just popped into my head when Kerry mentioned that. So this is um, a drama activity that works uh, where it's like a, a trust building activity. And the idea is that your group needs to count to 10, but uh, everybody in the group has to work together. So it works with small groups. So generally up to 10 people. I might try and count up to 12 if I've got 12 students in my class, for example, instead. But otherwise, I would split the group into smaller groups of up to 10 people. Everybody stands up and uh, one person, anybody in the room can start and they sit down and say one. Somebody else in the room, but very explicitly not the next person around in the circle, Somebody else in the room then sits down and says two. Somebody else in the room sits down and says three. That is three. the game, yeah. <laughs> this is the game. And, yeah, and, uh, but if anybody, if two people sit down at the same time, then you start again. Everybody has to stand up and you go back to one. If the wrong number is said, then you sit down and everybody has to, sorry, everybody stands up and you start again. This is the mind. This is the yeah. same, this is exactly it's how you do the same principle. Target. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um it's amazing for getting people to concentrate. They get really frustrated. They laugh a lot. It's really good as a re-energizer, in, yeah, yeah. especially with teenagers. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> um, but once I've taught them how to do it, so it's about making eye contact mm-hmm. and looking at other people and kind of signaling, but you very explicitly have to say to them, you can't just go around in a circle. That's not possible. And you can't. it can't always be the same person saying number one, although quite often at the beginning, I'll be, the, as the teacher, I'll say number one to get us started. Once they learn how to do that, I then change it to vocabulary. So they have to, we pick something like food or rooms in a house, something that we've recently studied. And each person has to say something different. And the aim is for everybody in the class to be sitting down at the end, having all said 12 different words. If we're getting towards the end and they can't think of the last word or two, then I might let other people help them you know if we've got up to nine or ten and they're kind of getting a bit tired then I might get them to help but that it's fantastic for as Kerry says for like centering and getting everybody to concentrate and just as a brain break I think I think we have our end of podcast activity (laughs) just refer back to to that that's great well there's actually two with two with two good activities there because Kerry's one two three was uh, that's true as well Yeah. yeah 
So let's have an, well, it's not, not a break as such. Let's change tack a little bit. This is the uh, 100th episode. So um, I was listening. I had listened to almost 100 episodes over the last couple of days. Uh, some of the things that we've done, not obviously the four presenters are here talking and, and there's James as a producer who we hear, but we've actually done some balmy things and some odd drop-ins over over the the years we've been doing it so here's a montage of things that have appeared in um the tefl commute over the last hundred episodes we're going to change focus here on the podcast and we're joined by the third person in our team making uh the tefl commute podcast and that is James Taylor. James Taylor is going to be doing a section that we've affectionately called Jargon Buster. I'm going to let him introduce it. The world of English language teaching is positively swimming in acronyms. If we English teachers can't use the initials of a handy phrase to say something quick, easy and completely indecipherable to the rest of the world, we're not happy. Welcome to the Dessert Island. Yes, you heard that right, Dessert Island. A section lovingly named after all the students who've had trouble sorting out their puddings from their sand. Loosely based on an idea that the BBC had some years ago, we interview a person in ELT about things they would take with them if they suddenly had to go and teach on a remote island. And of course, we also find out what dessert they take with them to eat. And now it's time to add a new name to Tevil Commute. Here's Kerry Jones with her first Kerry's Corner. There's this thing about names, or well, um, I guess it's a thing about my name, really. Um, okay, so my name's Kerry. Stand tall, keep your head high, laugh, smile, give hugs, lots of hugs. You are a teacher, you are a hero, author unknown. Welcome to Timeline, the Tefl Commute on the move game for teachers. Okay, in order to play Timeline, you need to draw yourself a mental timeline. We've all used timelines in the classroom. Get the pen, draw a line. The, over here on the left is usually the past. Moving towards the right, it's the future. With somewhere with a little cross or an intersection from now in the middle. So draw yourself that mental timeline now. Hi, Lizzie. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Well, it's a bit weird, actually. <laughs> yes, this episode is being recorded live. Actually, both of us are in the same place, in the same room, around a microphone. This is a first for us, so... Yeah, it's a bit odd not, not having Skype and uh, with there and actually seeing you. And I don't know how to interact now. I know. <laughs> so, well, we're going to do the best we can. And we're recording this episode uh, towards the end of November, beginning of December. Have a listen to this. After a summer where, of course, we've done nothing but lie on beaches, it's time to get our brains back in gear. And what better way to do that than with a language quiz? Um, and this one is all about QU words, and it's taken from the website uh, Braingle. So welcome to a new feature here on the Tefl Commutes, Tefl Fights. I'm joined here now by Sean and Lindsay, who are going to battle it out to decide who's right and who's wrong.
So hello everyone and welcome to a very special edition of the TEFL Commute podcast. Uh, we're, we're here tonight at the IATEFL conference. Uh, this is the first time the TEFL, uh, the TEFL Commute team have ever all been together in the same place. So let's introduce a couple of very familiar voices. So uh, hello Sean. Hi. And uh, hello, Lindsay. Hi there. James, producer James. <laughs> yes, we're all Good here to be together. With you. Hang on, yeah. didn't we have a rule that James couldn't be back on microphone? Did we make that at the end of last season? No, but this no. is a special occasion. This is a special well, come occasion. Come on, we're all here sitting around the same yeah. microphone. It's a yeah. beautiful thing. Uh, okay. Open your we'll eyes. We'll be laughed at. I know, quite understandably. So, uh, Lindsay, can you tell us where we are? Okay, we are, um, we are recording this from the Sugar and Dice Cafe, which is a board game cafe in Liverpool, which is just around... Uh, 350 meters away from the conference center where the IATEFL conference is taking place this year. So uh, we decided to put on a board games night because we're all quite board game enthusiasts. Hi everyone, my name's Sandy Millen and welcome to Almost Infinite ELT Ideas. One of my favorite things about social media is the fact that whenever you ask for help with planning a lesson, lots of people respond. And now for something completely different. Students work hardest for teachers they like and respect. When I am asked how do I get students to respect me, my immediate response is like and respect them first. Welcome to the algorithm. The algorithm brings you the best in example language sentences found on the web and language learning apps. Each is tailored and randomized especially for you. Today's sentence is The liver pate demands that the polar bear leaves the room. The liver pate demands that the polar bear leaves the room. Here's an original idea for your first class. We came across the idea during our research for this episode and thought it sounded interesting. First up, time capsule. You'll need a small box or tube to act as the time capsule. You'll need one for each class you want to do the activity with. In class, ask the students to take a piece of paper and create a self-portrait of themselves. They should add a sample of their handwriting, giving a small profile of who they are and their English goals for the year. Collect the work and put it in the time machine. Seal it with some sticky tape. In the last lesson of the year, open the time machine and let students compare how they are now to their time machine portrait. An alternative way to do this, perhaps for more digital students, is to ask them to record a short video of themselves on their mobile phone, which they send to you for safekeeping. At the end of the year, they compare themselves with the recording, hopefully noting how much they've improved at English. You can find the instructions for this activity at our website, www.tefelcommute.com. It's just like a little memory lane for you all there. Oh, uh, yep, kind of, <laughs> memory lane. Just that. So with that in mind, uh, your memory lane, I've, I've, as I said, I have listened to a lot of episodes. So um, here are some TEFL uh, commute numbers. Okay? So let's okay. see if you can work out what uh, the numbers what, what, are. What do we have to do? We have to guess the significance of the numbers. Yeah, the significance of the numbers. So, Lindsay, you, you said uh, at the beginning, for example, you, you, you suggested a, a, a number when you thought we'd started. Uh, yeah. So, as our first number then, I'll give you 2015. Was that the year we started? Yes, yeah. 20... You mean we started before... <laughs> Like, oh yeah! <laughs> before everything went to went to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, when, when the world was a different place. Nineteenth <laughs> of March, twenty fifteen, was the first episode of Tefl Commute. Oh my god! <laughs> Seven years. Yeah, I know. Well, it makes right. sense because we do. We and so we. I know that we never have any rhyme or reason, but we did. We always suggested we would do two episodes, two seasons per year. So seven years, fourteen seasons. Wow. Um, so uh, this one um, you should know because I, I I flashed it up uh, the other day. Well, one hundred and fifty-four thousand 
Downloads, yes, Individual downloads, yeah. Individual well, downloads. downloads, I don't know, because it's that's an, 150, yeah, give me individual. I mean, but obviously the same people could be downloading the podcast, but yes. 154,000 <laughs> plays or downloads of the podcast since we first got, which if you do it over 100 episodes, it's about 1,500 an episode. Although that's the most impressive, the most yeah. for a little pro, a little side project, it's good as it? the most listened to episode has about three or four thousand downloads, so it's not quite okay. a thousand on it. Uh, 1845. When you first thought of the idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, 1845. Uh, yeah. 18, hold on. 1845. Uh, average time of day when we finish recording no, an episode. No, no, <laughs> the length that, of the shortest. Like, yeah, yeah. It could well be because it is the same thing. I was going to say it's the amount of time that Lindsay deems to be with us during a recording. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you're at 1843 uh, and, right now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And uh, if you're not sure by that, when Lindsay turns up and says hello, he usually says, I've got X number of minutes. <laughs> so that's how so, we decided on. 1845 was the length of the first episode. Okay. Which is probably the shortest episode. Oh, wow. The second episode is then 27 minutes long. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Everybody's commute. The idea was to do one for the commute, and it's supposed to be short, and they've like, crept longer and longer as, as we've gone on. Um, so the next one is two days, seven hours. <laughs> the longest one. <laughs> the length of time you would have to do to listen to every episode back to back without stopping. Correct. Nice. Yes. Wow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get into the Guinness Book of World Records. We, for that. If you listen to every episode, uh, uh, and that's binging the, the uh, Temple Commute. If you binge yeah. the commute, Temple Commute nonstop, and to, 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 so this is episode seven, isn't it? So up to to the end of season fourteen, episode six. You would it would be three thousand two hundred and eighteen minutes, which is about two know days if and that's seven a good hours. Thing or a bad thing because I have listened to every episode. <laughs> <laughs> so you think we owe you? You guys owe me two yes. days and seven hours. Uh, seventeen, which I which for me is a really small number. Seventeen. I have no, no idea. idea. Yeah, no, no idea. countries, countries which no, appear the, on the, the download map. The country's amazing. I'll cut to that in a little bit. But yeah. the, the, so we've had it, it's not true because uh, as such, because we've had little people popping into them. Guests, but we've had seventeen then, guests. guests. Mm -hmm. so oh, I, okay. I define guest as somebody that kind of interviews. For example, actually, Kerry was interviewed in the in the ELT footprint episode, I think, um, a number of okay. years ago. Um, so we've got 17, 17 people that we have interviewed or have uh, have on in the podcast, but there are many more that appeared. So I think uh, CC uh, Craig, if you remember Craig, our number one fan, as he okay. was for a while, Daniel, Dennis, Mike, Olga Tyson, uh, Vicky, they've all appeared in, in episodes like the game episode where we did the game night uh, from it. Uh, so based on that, num uh, so the next number, I've got three numbers left. So the next number is three. How many people were in the Tefl Commute um, club when it first started? Slack no. channel. Did Slack exist back then? I can't remember. No, it didn't. Um, the, the answer is, the th is three guests who've appeared twice. Uh, Sinead Laffrin was our first guest and, uh, <laughs> in episode two, I think, on stationery. And she, she was a Desert Island or Desert Island guest. So we have three guests that have appeared twice. Uh, it's Sinead, uh, Philip Kerr, and I've forgotten who the other one is. Apologies. Uh, <gasps> no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Who was it? Sinead. Oh, Julie Moore. Lex, Lex okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Julie's appeared twice. Uh, it's, um, the uh, 120. Oh, don't tell me that's the countries. Yeah, it is. Wow. Yes. Uh, right. it. I, I went back and yeah. I went back into the stats. There's 120 different countries where it's been downloaded and listened to um, uh, from it. Um, so that goes everywhere from um, Algeria, which is top of the list alphabetically, through to Yemen. Uh, which okay. is bottom of this. Uh, some, so um, we now need someone from Zimbabwe or Zambia. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Zimbabwe, where are you? Zambia, yes, come <laughs> on. Vatican City. Step up, step up. Um, <laughs> um, right, so uh, they were there. So uh, change of, um, so two questions left. Kerry, what was your first episode? Oh, I have absolutely no idea. You, appear, it... you appeared in season one, episode three for the first time. Okay. Oh, wow. okay. Okay. And Sandy, 
When was your well, first episode? I was I was in the stationary episode. You were very good. I, I, I thought I would catch you out with that, but you yeah, actually appeared no, as one of the I voices in the stationary in the, yeah. episode. So you were, although, is... although, yeah, that's episode two, season one, yeah. episode two was wow. the. Uh, it was a soundbite at IHFL. I remember. <laughs> it yeah. I remember it because you were like, I think we're going to do this podcast. Yep. And uh, we're looking yep. for some people to interview. Right. <laughs> that's what yep. I remember. No, I thought I thought I genuinely thought I'd catch you out with that one. So, um, no, I remember that. Uh, Lindsay, who's the voice of the angels? The angels is Luke Meddings was yeah. the voice of the angels for at least three seasons. Yeah, you I think, think. In, the, in the montage you'll see it changes to the artificial voice where but Luke yes. is kind of a thread. And the original voice of the end of pod activity was Nikki Fortuna. Is Nikki Fortuna? Yes. Yeah. There right. you go. Thank you. Oh well, wonderful. Tefl commute no- numbers and Tefl commute navel gazing. I loved yeah. it. <laughs> well, you, listeners, you have to forgive us. This is episode 100, and so this is the kind of things that that happen. Shall we finish though with our grab bag of numbers? Just want to say grab bag again. <laughs> um, all right, I'll, I'll 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 host this part here. So, uh, Sean, why don't you tell us your sort of number? Or a number-related thing that you just think is cool. A number-related thing that's really cool. Uh, so we we record ahead of time, and we are recording on uh, Tuesday, uh, the twenty-second of February. This episode, and so if you think about it, it is Tuesday, the twenty-second of February, twenty twenty-two. Which, if you then start to write it down, is uh, two 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 uh, twenty-two oh two twenty twenty-two. And if you write that down like that, you've got a palindromic number and an ambigram number. So it reads the same upside down and back to front. And it's going to be so exciting. It's the middle of the afternoon that we're recording. But in a little while, it will actually be 2,200 hours. And it will be 2,200 hours, uh, 22 minutes past 22 on the 22nd of the 2nd, 2022. Isn't that just mind-blowing? I just don't. (laughs) (laughs) Mind's blown. My God. (laughs) <laughs> Sean has leaned forward in his seat now as well. And there will be some children born at exactly that time. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, that, that is yeah. the yes, yes, time exactly. of day for the rest of forever, I think. I don't think exactly. we're going to have another one of them anytime soon. So there you oh, go. Right. No, so, no, we'll have to wait until 3,033. I don't think we'll be around for the next one. We'll no. yeah. <laughs> Kerry, what about you? What's What number or number-related thing? Okay, so this is like a huge number. I don't think I'd even be that confident about reading out loud. But you know the world population clock online? Oh, oh yeah. No, yeah. but I'm going okay. to be well, looking it yeah. up right now. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, I think it is just worldpopulationclock.com. I've got it open in the back. Yet. No, it's worldometer. Oh, wow. Okay, yes. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm seeing it too. Yeah, oh, wow. and you can just sit there and watch it, click up and up. But also, it has how many births today, um, how many births this year, how many deaths oh, so today. It's still going up more than going down, though. So it's always yeah. like a net yeah. rising. Okay. Oh, wow. I mean, it does. It kind of goes flicks back and forth or whatever. But um, so that is like a curious thing that you could bring in at the beginning of the lesson or something. Like, I do not know if I'd want to teach. Is that, the, is that time, what Alex, the time Alex it took is... you guys to figure out your grammar lesson, grammar activity, there were 35 people were born and exactly. six died. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's no longer five-minute activities. It's just the 40-birth activities. <laughs> yes. And, and Sean, is that on the list of 15 that Alex had? <laughs> like, like it might be number 25 or there something on that list. <laughs> All right, okay. I'll give I'll give my number, um, which is um, it's an it's a number related thing, and it's it's paradoxes. So as I was looking for interesting numbers, because I was looking for one number in particular, but there, it reveals two paradoxes. The number that I was originally looking for was the number twenty three, which is part of the birthday paradox. Does anyone mm-hmm. know what that is? And that one I've seen in classrooms as well. It's often happened, like if when when you start teaching and this starts happening, you're like, that is so unbelievable. And in fact, it's mathematically correct. Does anyone know what the birthday paradox is? Yeah, go on. So the birthday paradox- something parado- about the number of people who have the same birthday in a class. Yeah. How many people so, are so like, Yeah, so 23, if you have 23 people in a room together, is a 50% chance that two will- have mm-hmm. the same birthday and it keeps going up so like once you get to like 30 or something like that it's 
it's we're into the high 70s or 80 percent but yet it 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 never ceases and and the kind of people who work with groups of like 23 to 30 are usually teachers so it's the kind of thing that i think teachers usually know before other people because if you just ask your average person you know um, how many people here do you think share the same birthday? And they'll be like, oh, gosh, what ages? But then you say, no, it's actually very likely that that would happen. So I thought that was interesting. So the birthday paradox, 23. And then the other one that I thought was interesting was, and it fits into our, our, our episode on numbers, is what they call the interesting numbers paradox. Um, and so this was like um, two mathematicians who started saying that, you know, like you could have numbers that are interesting and numbers that aren't interesting. Um, but then there was a paradox of like, sort of like, well, what makes an, a number not interesting would therefore by de facto make it interesting or, or the kind of things like, so they, they finally agreed like all natural numbers, one, two, three, four, five, all of them are interesting. So if there was a number, if there was a series of numbers that weren't those numbers, then the smallest of that series of numbers would be interesting because it would be the smallest of the uninteresting numbers. I don't know. It all got really, really mathematical very quickly. And I, with my course book, Writer Mind, I kind of like skimmed through the first paragraph to see if it could be extracted for something, but really interesting. The idea that there is no uninteresting number, because even if there was, it would be the one uninteresting number, which would make it interesting. If you're interested in numbers. Yes. Or if there were like a bunch of like numbers that were uninteresting, determined boring numbers, the smallest of those would be interesting because it was the smallest of those. And the second smallest would be interesting by virtue of the fact that it's the second small. Anyway. If anybody's that's... still listening, this is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just now have just like leaning back. All right. I just discovered Sandy. that some people aren't interested in numbers. I mean, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> So I was like the Charlie Brown teacher. They're like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sandy, what about you? Um, so, yeah, so my number is pi. Um, oh. So um, pi day is actually coming up quite soon. So Sean said we're recording on the 22nd of February. And um, pi day is 3.14, um, which in British English would be the 14th of March. Yeah, because it's the first few numbers of pi. Um, and the reason that this was selected as Pi Day, um, it was it was decided in the late 80s by a guy called Larry, what was his name, Larry Shaw, because he thought that it should have its own holiday. And March the 14th happened to be Einstein's birthday. Oh, right. um, so you can look up ways to celebrate Pi Day. And uh, obviously, the list that I found has uh, 14 ways to celebrate Pi Day, <laughs> 3.14. But one yes. of the ways that you can celebrate Pi Day is by writing a piem, not a poem, a piem, P-I-E-M. Okay. And uh, how does one write a piem? Yeah, I hear you ask. Um, right. <laughs> interesting numbers. Gagging to know the answer. In the way that, for example, the haiku is five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables, um, uh, Pilish, this is the, the method of, of writing using Lindsay, using Lindsay, pie. bring back the interesting number discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no, I'm way leaning forward. Takes each digit of pi, and that's the length of the word. So the first word of your poem, piem, should have three letters. The, the next one should have mm -hmm. one. The next one should have four. The next one should have one. The next one should have five. The next one should have nine. The, and the one article, is a bit limiting, isn't it? Yes. yes. Uh, the, yeah. the article... I... Yeah. I guess you go U and cheat and have it... Yes, well, or how article, I... Uh -huh. The article I found about this has the first sentence written in Pilish. Okay. Um, so it's U, exclamation mark... I have a nerdy rejigging of poetry every man ought to consider indulging. So you'll notice there's a slight little grammatical problem there. <laughs> but this, I think, is quite an entertaining thing to do on Pi Day. So there you that go, there's another true. activity for you. Wonderful wow. pie meets language. And yeah, it's exactly. just like number, numbers and letters. And yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that's great. <laughs> I saw some amazing stuff happening on Pi Day. They, they do pie recitals where people mm. recite pie to however many numbers they can. So they recite it up to like a hundred. 
digits of pi from memory. So that's a, or I don't know, there's, there's a world record of who can, who can say the most pi numbers. But what's really interesting is I saw some interviews with those people on, on YouTube and they're talking about like how they remember it. And they'll talk about like this string of numbers I really like. This is the really pretty part of pi here. And they're like sort of like 35 numbers in or whatever. But it's, it's, it's interesting. Pi day. And all, of course, I guess they, they talk about making pies. Yeah, so there's lots of things about making pies, making pizza pie. Um, if you don't like pie, you can make cookies. Um, <laughs> okay. you can, you can, there, there's the English, that's the English yeah. teacher in the math department. Can I make cookies instead <laughs> of pie? You can do something irrational because pie is an irrational number, so it can't because it can't be written as a fraction. There's all kinds. Oh, of really? So like you can do a, you can do something crazy and just say sorry, pie day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they suggested like wearing your socks on your hands or handing out valentines because you know who cares? It's irrational. You can do whatever you like. I love, I love what mathematicians think of as irrational. <laughs> yes, <laughs> socks on your hands. You kind of get the feeling some of them may wow. have done that. <laughs> Revolutionary. <laughs> I would, um, I, because I feel like I should try and out nerd Lindsay and uh, and and um, and Sandy there. Fibonacci day, do you know? Because I'm more of a Fibonacci man. That's oh, November, yeah. oh November, Fibonacci's. No, I love Fibonacci. That's numbers, November yeah. the 23rd. There is a day for that as well. <laughs> Of course, because wow. it's one, one, two, three. Two, three. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I like it. <laughs> anyway, we are probably getting. Uh, Lindsay, I think, is way, signaling way at this time. At this time, <laughs> time his presence leaders. So, um, yeah. So, thank you all for the numbers. That was uh, that was a fun, a fun uh, round table. Um, so, uh, this is the hundredth episode of the Tefl Commute. So, if you are listening for the first time, you've got ninety nine more to catch up. Do be warned that will take you two days and seven hours. Um, uh, to do, but thank you very much. The Tevil Commute started in 2015 as our hobby, and we're still doing it, which is quite uh, quite amazing. Um, and it's quite interesting when you do listen back to those episodes how we started, the, how bad our sound was actually, but how we start, <laughs> how, how we started on Skype, and we've we've come like so far now that we're on Zoom. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to find out about more about the Tevil Commute, then go to tevilcommute.com, and you'll find all the episodes there, the episode notes there. You will find the episode the podcast all over the place on usual podcast pl- pl- platforms and of course if you ever want to buy us a coffee then go to the website and click on there we do do the podcast for fun but we do like coffee as well well apart from sandy i think but um... james james doesn't like coffee either <laughs> well, uh, so if you want to buy me kerry and uh, Lindsay a coffee then do that and we'll see you for episode 101 in our next season because it's time for us to have a break so thank you for listening does everybody want to say goodbye Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. As your commute is coming to an end, here's an idea you can take into class. In fact, you've already heard it. Go back to Sandy's suggestion. A drama-based trust-building activity at about the 22-minute mark. You've been listening to The Teffel Commutes, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Kerry Jones, Sean Wilden, Sandy Millen and James Taylor. You can support this podcast at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Tefl Commutes. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your podcast player of choice and by visiting us at tefelcommute.com. And from me, producer James, a big thank you for joining us on these 100 episodes. Thank you.